Welcome to the Strawberry Jam Sessions, brought to you by Victorian Strawberries. I'm your host, Simone Austin, accredited practicing dietitian and lover of all things strawberry. Each episode will bring you a punnet full of goodness to help you make the most of Victorian strawberries. So let's get to it. Today, everyone, I've got with me a friend and was a colleague, Luke Bruce, an Aussie rules footballer who plays for Hawthorne Football Club. He's played in three premierships, 2013, 14 and 15, 239 games and kicked 441 goals. He was born in Tamora, New South Wales on a wheat farm and he loves to play golf and gets out on the golf course whenever he can. So I know Luke because I was dietitian at Hawthorne Football Club for 12 years. So I think Luke and I might have even started in the same year. We welcome Luke Bruce to the podcast today. Welcome, Luke. Thanks, Simone. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to having a chat. Um, yeah, all things strawberries and anything else. And what year did you start at Hawthorne Football Club? So I was drafted at the end of 2008. Uh, so my first year at Hawthorne was 2009. Yep, so we were. We were both new at the footy club together. I thought so. so. Okay, right. Because I, I couldn't, wasn't sure whether you're a three time premiership dietitian or a four time because 2008 was close. Yes. But you're a three time as well. Yes. My children reminded me that in 2009, when we didn't even make the finals, they're like, Mum, they went from a premiership to nothing. And yeah, I said, Hey, come on, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> that's very harsh. But I was, I was similar, actually. I arrived and Obviously, a little bit daunting going to a club that had just been premiers the, the year before. So, uh, as a small country kid, uh, it was yeah, very intimidating to go to the Hawks and experience life as an AFL footballer. But in saying that, that's a good um, place for us to actually start. When you were first drafted, what sort of went through your mind? Because you were going to a premiership club. Yeah, or initially for me, probably you go back one step and I'd say, from growing up in a country, small country town and uh, not knowing too much about the big city. I'd, I'd been to Sydney a few times, obviously, growing up and, and been to Melbourne, but the thought of actually removing myself from tomorrow and moving to, to Melbourne was probably the most daunting part of it. It was then reality sets in. You're then walking into a footy club that is the reigning premier, uh, have some big names at the time like Luke Hodge and Sam Mitchell and uh, Jared Rufford, these sort of guys who have big personalities yes. and uh, strong leaders and strong figures around the footy club. So you've got not only the, the daunting side of moving to a, a big yes. major city but then also walking into a footy club like that where, uh, yeah. yeah, things, re- re- reality hits home quite quickly and mm. you, you you find your feet and, and you work things out and, and fortunately for me I've been able to be around for a longer period of time um, whereas some guys aren't as, as fortunate as I am. Absolutely, you have. So if we go back to Tamora and growing up in Tamora, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like on the farm life and how you got into footy? Yeah, so I, I love my time growing up on the farm. We had um, quite a cl- close family. I've got an older brother and an older sister uh, who I get along really well with. And, yeah, we had we had heaps of fun on the farm. We we loved it out there. We had big wide open spaces that we could we could do whatever we wanted. So um, we all loved our sport as well. Mum and Dad were, were huge into their sport when they were growing up and, and put that into us at a young age as well. So um, we all played footy, basketball, tennis, cricket, whatever it was. At the time, we were always playing. So even tomorrow itself as a town is 
is a big sporting town, so that was uh, that was really good. And yeah, as I said, a lot of hard work out there, a lot of tough times, but it certainly instills some good quality traits uh, into you growing up on the farm. Absolutely. Did you used to help out on the farm? Like, did you have chores to do? Yeah, not necessarily chores. Like, it wasn't you had had this each week or anything, but it was very much hands on um, growing up. But once we got to an age where you or probably mum and dad felt comfortable to have us around, um, whether it was machinery or even stuff with the, the sheep and things like that. It was, um, yeah, once you were ready to pull your weight, then you helped out. Yeah, you, yeah that's it. You, yeah, you, had a, you had a role to play and um, the, like dad used to always say, many hands make light work. So yes, um, that yes. was definitely the philosophy amongst um, the family. Yeah. Did you grow any strawberries on, on, the, on the farm? I reckon my nan might have. So I was fortunate enough that, our uh, farmhouse was only 20 metres away from my nan and pop's house. So we both oh, lived on lovely. the on the farm next to each other. And I reckon when when I would have been younger, we had nan had three veggie patches out the front and I reckon there would have definitely been some strawberries uh, in there amongst yeah. some of that, uh, some of those veggies and fruit Fantastic. at some stage. Absolutely. And um, cooking, when you grew up, I remember taking um, cooking sessions with the, the young footballers yep. and you were you were in those and I remember that um, uh, you, you could cook. So did you learn a little bit at home to start cooking? Very basic at home. Uh, I'd say before I left Tamora and the farm, I'd have a very basic knowledge of, uh, of cooking. I think it was when I got to Melbourne and I was living, living with my host family initially that uh, – Tuesday nights were my night to feed the family, so uh, a lot of pressure. But, yeah, for me it was probably the best thing that ended up sort of happening looking back that I was sort of pushed into that role. It was, yeah, as I said, it was a Tuesday night. Initially you sort of had help from both the the mother and the father of the family, uh, of the host family, and then from then on you sort of started to get um, a bit more confident and you could do things by yourself. But that definitely gave me the skills to be able to um, start cooking by myself. And I think um, from memory, a baked beef risotto was your um, classic dish, wasn't it, it, that you perfected? It was. So th- definitely that and uh, lasagna are probably my, were two go-tos early days. Uh, so Jason Burt was my uh, host family and he helped me master the lasagna and, and obviously yourself. I think we might have done a, yes, a baked, we did. baked beef we did risotto in a together in a session. So. Um, that's a that's a great memory. Yeah, I, I can remember us um, cooking that. And the good thing about both of those dishes, I think, for any budding athletes out there, is we often think of carbohydrates and protein being really important, but we forget the veggies. And I think the good thing about both that risotto and the lasagna is that you can incorporate more veggies in there as well, and that every Australian needs more veggies, not just athletes. So you can add in some pumpkin or even some spinach, plenty of tomatoes in your lasagna, obviously onions, grated carrot, zucchini, whatever you've got around. Um, do you still cook that now? Do you cook either of those dishes now, Absolutely. Luke? They're very much a staple in our house. Uh, so yeah. the risotto gets to run probably at least once every couple of weeks and lasagna would be the Good. same. So, um, And as you said, for us it's even putting like with lasagna, it's probably a side salad or sometimes other veggies that you put on the side of it as well. So um, they are good, just good quality meals for us to be able to recover from training and then get ready for the next day. Yeah. Have you noticed since you've had, so how many seasons is it that you've had now? This is year number 14, I think. Number 14. Wow, that's pretty good. Yes. Have you noticed a difference with how you need to eat from the younger Luke Bruce to the 
um, more senior, I won't say old, to the more senior, <laughs> the more senior athlete? Uh, oh, I think I've just probably over the journey, obviously, thanks to you and other guys around the environment that you just learn uh, what you need and, and you sort of tailor it to um, what has worked in the past and it takes a little while to, to work that out. I know I've worked with you quite closely with um, game day prep and um, even recovery and things like that. I probably battled with that um, early in my career. I, I would get stomach aches and things like that after the game. So it's like working with yourself and other people to work out what is best for preparation and, and recovery and things like that. It's probably some of the biggest lessons that I've learned. In terms of my general sort of overall diet, I feel like the farm was very much meat and three veg uh, and I might have sort of strayed away uh, away from that a little bit but majority of our meals here with Anthony and I are probably meat and three veg for at least three or four nights of the week and then the other nights might be the risottos, stir fries, um, lasagna, spaghetti bolognese, yeah. um, curries, these sort of other other meals. Beautiful. And the component for that, for anyone thinking about sort of building a meal is there's nothing wrong with meat and three veg. You know, it's fantastic because basically when I talk to the athletes, we talk about dividing the plate into thirds really, which is sort of that third of the carb, a third of the protein and the third of the veg. So it's very visually an easy way um, for you guys to do that. Spot on. And then um, if it's still the same philosophy, if it's a stir fry, we still need to make sure we've got those three components, whether that might be rice or noodles, vegetables, and then it might be seafood or chicken or beef or whatever it might be in the um, in the stir fry. But I would have thought also, um, do you think when you started off playing that you would have eaten a greater volume maybe because as a younger player you had greater training load than maybe when you're sort of nurturing your body a little bit more as a more senior player and you might eat a little bit less now? Or? Yeah, that's yeah. I think you're probably right. I think especially the early days, like I started at 70 kilos when I first got to Hawthorne and I play at probably 83 to 83 and a half kilos now. So uh, that's a significant gain of, of weight. So you're right, back in 2009, 2010, 2011, I was probably eating a lot more. And I think it was probably a bit more regular as well, um, like making sure you get off the track and you're eating sort of quite quickly after, straight yeah, away. straight away. Yeah. And, um, maybe then even snacking before a weight session or whatever it was. Whereas now I probably, you're right, I, I probably feel like I don't necessarily need those extra little bits along the way. I feel like I've got a body that's now been able to play AFL for a longer period of time and, um, yeah, I don't need to have the same. It's got the perfect body That's now. That's it, so. exactly right. <laughs> yeah, spot on. It's, yeah. At, it's, at the, it's at the weight that you're happy with. So obviously when we're trying to put on weight, you do have to eat quite a lot more to to build that muscle and spread it out um, over the day and that, that continual feeding of your body of around 25 to 30 grams of protein regularly throughout the day is really important for people wanting to um, gain muscle mass. Yeah, so. for sure. What about post-game? Do you want to share with people what you like to eat post-game? Yeah, so this is where I probably struggled a little bit. And even pre-game, like I, I really battled with, I would would eat very mm-hmm. little and and I just found that it was, um, it was so bad for not only my preparation but also my recovery. So now I try and get in risotto and, and things like that. And there's games where I don't feel like eating it, but I sort of force myself to um, get something down because I just recover so much better and I don't have the, the gut aches and things like that post yeah. uh, post game. And then, yeah, post game, uh, I love my, my protein shakes and either the milks or, or whatever the club provide. Um, I always like to, yeah. to have one of those 
quite quickly after the the game's finished and then from then on it's uh oh, there's multiple options it, it might be either could be pizza it could be um, no <laughs> no no pizza. well depends or, or, i don't know down in tassie they mix it up do you they, still have avocado and vegemite on toast do you still don't weren't you sometimes having i haven't had that for a few years actually I think burritos you used to have. Sometimes you'd have burgers. Burritos down in Tassie, I can definitely. I think for people who don't realise how good milk is, milk is just the food and the fluid and the electrolytes all in one. So even if you're just getting in a really good amount of milk, that's often enough until you've got time to um, have a meal. Yeah, spot on. And why some people don't realise that when you're exercising, there's not much um, blood supply going to your stomach. And I know when we were working together, we figured out that when you weren't eating enough before the game, there was not enough blood supply going to the stomach because there was no food in it. And by, say, around three-quarter time, your stomach was really empty and it was much better if we just gave you a little bit of food so that there would still be some blood supply going to the gut. The gut was much happier because our guts are not happy when there's no blood supply going to them for a long time. So yeah, um, I think we found that that worked a bit better for you. Now, I'm just thinking about... Um, I know that you get out onto the golf course. Are you still playing your golf? Yes. I, oh, there's a good little crew of us at Hawthorne that love our golf. So we've probably got 15 or 16 guys that really wow. are right into their golf now, which is which is good because you get a, a mix of guys. You're not always just playing with the same group of three or four. So that's been that's been really good. And, yeah, still try and get out once a week on, on the days off. Uh, it doesn't happen every week, but, yeah, most weeks I'll try and get out and have a hit. So do you think you might um, change to uh, golfers pro after footy or will it just be it'll no, just be your hobby? It'll just definitely be a hobby. I'm, I, I really enjoy it and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a five or six handicap golfer, like which is pretty solid, but I think that yes. next level, like I've Mitchie Lewis it out at the Hawthorne Footy Clubs, got a handicap of zero and like even wow. him like, to get to that yes. next level, it's it's crazy yeah. how much work. It's sort of like us with footy, I guess. You, exactly. You spend all your, your childhood trying to master that. The old 10,000-hour rule is probably a good, yeah. um, a good analogy of that. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely stick to it as a hobby. Okay, that's good. And leave on that, what do you think might be after footy for Luke Bruce? Have you had any thoughts? I've just finished my degree, Simone. So, oh. uh, yes, eleven years uh, in the making. So it took me a long time to to get there, but yeah, it's that's all finished now. So that's a bachelor of commerce finance, uh, and then yeah, been working the last sort of month or so as to what I can do over the next few years while I'm still playing to just give myself a few options. I, I think I do really enjoy that that corporate space and and the finance industry, um, but I think I'll. I'll possibly do my coaching just to have um, that with the experience that I've had and being in the system for so long. I think it would be silly not to, to do my coaching as well. And then the third option might even be a teacher. So thinking about maybe doing a, a dip ed in education or something like that to Fantastic. Um, just complement my commerce degree and um, I might go down that path. My, my wife, Anthea, is a, a school teacher as well. So it would be a pretty easy combo to have both of us doing that. Definitely. Oh, well, there's plenty of options. That's yes, fantastic. Always, exactly. always nice to have that. And they talk about people having lots of career changes now, don't they? So it's, um, you know, maybe you'll be a teacher, then you'll do your commerce. and you'll That's be, it, yeah. And I think yeah. that that would be ideal if I could maybe just do multiple things, I think, in terms of just interest and my passion um, 
with what I've done for 15 years, it, it could be quite hard just to go and sit at a desk for yes, yes, eight and ten hours a day. So that that changing up of roles and, and things might definitely uh, appeal to me. I think you've obviously the elite athlete, great golfer, finance, possibly teaching. There's a lot lot in there for you to um, and coaching to to keep going with. But I want to know: Do you have a veggie patch? Or have you got? Or are you going to start growing a pot of strawberries at home, or or do you think you'll just keep buying your strawberries, which are obviously a good thing to do for Victorian strawberries? <laughs> We've moved house recently and renovated, and I've gone from not caring about my garden or anything at all to in the new place. I think because I had to pay for the actual <laughs> like the plants and the lawn and everything. <laughs> like, I want to keep them yes. alive. Yeah, so I think there is going to be room for a nice uh, little veggie patch and strawberries and everything down the side of the house so um stay tuned i'll be able to maybe send you some, that's it send some photos and, and give you some updates on how it's going exactly i've recently done um renovations in my backyard and plants are an expensive purchase they are. Uh, so yes you do want to keep them alive <laughs> but also they give that sense of achievement when they grow um, when they flower, my son thinks that gardening is the most boring thing and he wants to live in an apartment without it. But I said, you'll change your mind. Well, that was me. That was me like three years ago. And then since I've moved, I've got, we had no indoor plants at the old place. We've got now five, six, seven indoor plants. Um, the front and back lawns are looking quite good. We've got, yeah. So as I said, definitely room now to be able to expand and get some fruit and veg down the side, maybe some herbs as well to um, using my cooking. Absolutely. And and that way also there's that great love to continue cooking. And I know when I did all the cooking sessions with the players, I used to think it would be good for them to cook for their footy. But really the biggest thing for me was that we're setting up a life skill so that they could learn how to cook and learn about nutrition for the whole of their life. So I think that veggie patch and that um, the herbs and things, again, is a way of setting people up to actually eat eat well. Yeah, for sure. And as you said, there's something about the rewarding factor that you you've been able to successfully grow them and this i don't know there's something there's something in that maybe it is when you get older yeah, <laughs> yeah i, I yeah. definitely didn't have it a little while ago but now that i'm over 30 and getting over the hill it's um yeah it's definitely definitely something in it now for sure perfect that's good and now that we're nearly at the end of our um discussion there's a very important question that i ask everyone luke and it is what is your favorite way to eat Victorian strawberries? I think my favourite way to eat strawberries would have to be uh, after dinner, cup of tea and with some yoghurt or something like that chopped up. Uh, yes, yeah, so I really enjoy enjoy that with it. Yeah, with a cup of tea and just sitting on the couch watching some TV is probably my favourite way to enjoy some Victorian strawberries. Beautiful. And I know that you've got some beautiful strawberries that have been delivered to you today. So I can't wait to see how you enjoy those. On the couch would be probably a good one this evening. Enjoy the strawberries. Thanks, Luke. Awesome. Thanks, Simone. Thanks for joining us at the Strawberry Jam Sessions. If you've enjoyed this very delicious podcast, please let others know by rating us wherever you listen to podcasts. And there's plenty more strawberry goodness where that came from. Simply head to vicstrawberry.com.au. Until next time, I'm your host and strawberry lover, Simone Austin for Victorian Stories.